Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, the podcast for writers who strive to be bold and readers who crave something new. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I want to thank you for being here, and I want us to stay in touch. So subscribe to this podcast, then go to writingtherongway.com and enter your best email to receive the Martian Embassy Missive, my bi-weekly newsletter where I let you know what's happening on Mars, where we're always making big plans. Join the Martians so you don't get left out of the invasion at writingtherongway.com. And as a special bonus, I'll send you a free book. Speaking of books, my new book is called The National Gallery, and it contains sonnets about Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, elegies lamenting the death of my iPhone, and other strange missives from yours truly, the Poet Laureate of Hell. Visit thenationalgallery.ca to order your signed copy. That's thenationalgallery.ca. I'm sitting here in Lyndon Radchenka's garage, drinking the horrible... Palm Bay beverage. It's all right. I'm drinking a Smirnoff Berry Blast. And we're going to talk about comics or something else. Uh, well, you're doing a couple things, not just comics these days. But the reason I want to talk to Lyndon, among other reasons, is simply because he's kind of, you know, in a much younger position uh, than I was, uh, sort of considering and mulling around this possibility of um, freelancing, slashing, doing the art thing for a living. Um, I'm kind of struggling with it still. Uh, you know, how much am I writing? How much am I not writing? How much am I working at a job and not working at a job? I find weirdly that I'm in this bizarre position where I'm kind of having to uh, keep scaling back all the non all the job things <laughs> that I do I keep having to try to cut back because I should never have agreed to do them in the first place and I should have just gone all in on the art stuff mm-hmm. or so it seems to me now uh, but I maybe am wrong <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have gone all in on the art stuff and it should have done just a bit of a different more structured transition it's really hard for me to say right now I feel like I'm in such a hectic position that I'm just sort of playing catch up with uh, where I'm trying to be versus where I am versus, you know, um, how do I transition from one thing to the other? I feel like I'm in such a weird mix. Uh, you probably feel a similar way, but uh, from my point of view, you're in a smoother transition. <laughs> but I don't know. How do you feel about it? Where's your head at? Uh, and I think it's just an interesting topic to talk around because although it's maybe not a clear and defined topic, uh, like other things I've talked about in this podcast are, it is sort of a thing that I think a lot of people have to think about mm-hmm. at some stage in their life, you know, early or late or somewhere in the middle. Um, how far in do I go with this trying to make a living off the art? So where are you at with it? What's your headspace? Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, I don't know what... Um what I can give you in terms of advice for yourself because we're, you know, very (laughs) clearly different stages of life. I think I have a lot fewer um, responsibilities and obligations going on in my life. Um, And I know that this podcast is called Writing the Wrong Way, but can we step back for a moment and just talk about sort of life direction? That's that's really what I've been dealing with lately. So um, what happened in my life that I've been dealing with lately is uh, about a month ago, I turned I turned 27. Yippee for me. I am officially in my late 20s now. Um, 
and I was working at a job that I didn't really, I wasn't super crazy about. Um, and my job position ended and I was kind of left with this crossroads of what do I, what do I do now? Um, and I thought about it for a long time and leading up to it. And I came to this realization (laughs) that, you know, I'm still young enough that I can be a degenerate a little bit. Um, so what what it came down to was how can I how do I phrase this the right way? Um, can I can I vote, can I go on a bit of a millennial rant? Yeah, I love rants. We're, we're, our other idea for this podcast, if this topic doesn't turn out, is we could just you know drink some drinks and rant about random topics. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go on a bit of a millennium rant, and I've had this conversation with a lot of my friends lately. Um, the growing growing up, people my age, we are still told that we have to. Um, you know, we have to settle down. The goal is to find a, a comfortable profession that pays the bills and gives you benefits so that you can buy a house and you can start a family and you can have kids and you can ride off into the sunset until you retire and then decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And the catch with that is that people my age, the, the struggle to find that living and be able to find a sustainable career is a lot more challenging than it was two decades ago or three decades ago, my parents' age. And so um, I've been really struggling with the idea of chasing down a professional career that doesn't have the financial security that it was promised and the, I mean, what's what's the non-cynical way of saying that forever people were told that it's okay to be miserable at your job because it's going to pay you well enough to live the life that you want. Okay, let me pause your rant for a second. Yeah. Because I think I have a really interesting point of view on this. Yeah. Now, I'm 40 years old. Uh, and I have, But I have, at 20 years old, I had a daughter. So I now have a 20-year-old daughter. So I have a millennial daughter who's mm-hmm. only seven years younger than you. Yep. Who is at her inner finishing second year university right now, yeah. and is very much in this space of like, I'm not sure what I want to do and yeah. this and that. And she's coming to me and asking me these sorts of questions, and I've <laughs> got a very unu- interesting, I think, perspective on it because what I keep saying to her is like, you know, the thing you got on is different from what my parents told me because what my parents told me is very much the thing that you're talking about. Yeah. And you know what? I understand why they told me that. And that's how it worked back then. It is how it used to work. Yes. Uh, but the thing I always have keep saying to her is like, because she, she's like, she's always talking like, why well, I just don't know what kind of job I want. And I keep saying to her like, you should try not to focus on what job you want. Yeah. You should focus on what skills do you want to have. Yeah. Because what's going to, what the future is, is a bunch of jobs that don't exist. Yes. Absolutely. Think, I think of when I went when I went to university and got my English degrees, because yeah. uh, I have three English degrees. Yeah. Uh, at the time I Jeez, first started three English though, degrees, I have a PhD. Yeah. Uh, so at the time I started um, university, though everybody was going into computer science. Yes. And when I came out with my, you know, all the computer science guys would laugh at me. Yeah. And my English degree, what money am I going to make? And then. I knew specific people who had to turn around and actually sue the programs they were in 
because they could not get a job. All their skills were obsolete two years out. Now that didn't happen to everybody, but it was, it was just a very, the world just changed so fast. Yeah. And I feel like we're in this position where like the world is changing so fast. Like yeah. what, what I, what I like to say is that, uh, what's, I think what's stable as much as anything is right now. Yeah. And, and I'm biased of course in this way, but I think what's stable is not the job anymore. It's stable is having a skill you can sell yes. that no one can fire you. Yes. Uh, and not, nec- you know what I mean? Like, because I, I always talk to, we, we, we both um, know Gregory Kamichik, who's on this podcast yep. a lot, and we're working on a bo- all working on a book together um, right now. And um, what I always say to Gregory is like, what's stable is like what, you know, that guy's doing or yep. what Justin Curry has like studio made or doing. Like, yeah. If, like if Justin like, uh, as as a simpler example, because he's also a guy who doesn't have kids, yeah. you know, and, and doesn't have like as many responsibilities, uh, say. But like what that guy's doing is like super stable, because <laughs> even though he's got, you know, he, you know, no job uh, and no, even if he nobody ever paid him, and now the cons are gone, yeah, and like so he can't go to like cons and sell things like he used to or whatever, yeah. But he doesn't need to do anything because he's got a bunch of stuff he did. Yeah. He did a bunch of things. He's yeah. got all these assets. Yeah. He can, if he wants, he could just sell the stuff he already did. Yeah. Now, he's not satisfied doing that, but he could do that. Yeah. For a while, at yeah. least. It's, like, that's the stability. I, like, even if the market collapses and, like, there's no cons anymore or whatever, yeah. you know, he could still, like, you know, turn around and sell that stuff to a friggin' poster maker company or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have assets, you've got options. Yeah. And what people don't realize when, when, when my parents didn't realize and what I therefore didn't realize cause yeah. nobody told me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm only now catching up to is like, I never th- realized that being an artist is a business entrepreneurship model. Mm-hmm. Like I would look at all those guys when I started university, I would like look at the guys going into the business program and think, Oh, you know, yeah. I'm an artist. I'm not one of those guys. Like, yeah. but what I didn't realize is like by being an artist, I was de facto, the government considered me a business guy. Yeah. Like those guys. Yeah. I just was one who wasn't making as much money. and didn't have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And now I'm like scrambling to like get a plan together yeah. in, in some respects. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, one of the we're in the middle of pandemic times right now, and one of the crazy things that I've heard bandied around is that one of the most marketable degrees now to have is an English degree because you have a set of skills. It's communication, it's um, it's writing ability. Like, there's so much intangible skill that has to go into that that it makes it a marketable thing. Now, maybe I'm biased because I also have one English degree compared to three English degrees, but uh, I came to this realization that the the targets had moved from the the what I was promised by my parents what my parents knew um, because obviously as a parent and you're a parent you always want what's best for your kids and you can only work with what you know and the yeah. I, the idea that I've been throwing around lately is that as you said the jobs that you can be working in 10 years are jobs that don't exist right now and so I came out of this um this professional job that I got with my professional degree from going to school for six years because I was told it was a responsible decision that would that had lots of um, you know career stability and financial stability and made me miserable and I thought you know what do I what do I do now 
um, when I was when I was last on your show, we talked about how I got into comics, and I got into comics because I was in school and unhappy and needed something creative to do. So I started making comics. Um, I enjoyed doing that. I've always I've loved doing that since it happened. So I kept doing it, and thankfully I've done enough of it now that. I've been able to start picking up jobs here and there and start working on books and start working on my own books. So by the time I knew that my position was going to end because it was a term position, it had a a deadline and then COVID struck, um, which meant like definitely was ending. I was able to start planning what I wanted to do for some time. So I, my job ended I had a couple of comics projects lined up, things that I had started, things that I knew were gonna come down the pipe, things that I was hoping were gonna come down the pipe and thought, you know, maybe I don't need to hop into a, you know, air quotes, grown up job again right away. If I can make enough money to make a living doing something that I enjoy, why don't I do that for now? Like the, the thing that I try and tell my friends when I talk about this, and I'm just can only repeat it going forward is that life isn't long enough for you to be doing something that doesn't make you excited to get out of bed in the morning. I have this, my, I drive my girlfriend crazy right now because I sleep for like five hours a night or six hours a night. And she thinks I'm killing myself from not sleeping enough. But how do you explain to someone or how do you explain that feeling you get when you're working on something that you like and you suddenly look up and it's 3 a.m. because you've been working? How can like it's not it's not a bad thing to work hard when you love it. See, I have a weird perspective on this because my point of view on that kind of thing is like I feel like it's overrated to have passion for a project. (laughs) (laughs) Like I agree with you. But I also feel like what's more, I feel like that's a, t- a thing that you'll go in phases up and down. About. Oh, probably. And what I've found over the years is it's better to just, it's nice when that happens. <laughs> yep. And it's nice to like be excited like about a project. And I don't want to do a project I'm, I don't have a base level excitement about. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, like, to me, there has to be like this additional thing yep. where I was like, whether I'm excited on Tuesday or not, I have to do it anyway because it's Tuesday. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah. so like, I, I kind of like, I agree with you about that whole point of view, but I think where people get the wrong, where I think that an outsider um, doesn't grasp is that on a day, you have to also have this temperament yep. where on the day when you're not excited about it, you're just doing it now, you're just doing it anyway because yep. it's your job and you're yep. treating it like a job. And like, whether you're making money at it or not, I think um, I think you and I are saying the same thing. We are. I'm just saying yeah. like there's there's different ways to people look at, look at it. it. Yeah. And I think like from the outside, people don't understand the difference between. Um, I think it's just uh, the artistic, which I don't know what you want to call it exactly, but like artistic jobs or businesses yeah. or whatever you want to you know call them. Yeah. They just don't make sense to people from an outside point of view because because they see it as like all oh, all you're doing is like having fun yeah you're not willing to like yeah. you know settle down and get a real thing but it's like what they don't understand is like it's not always fun like yeah. it's like at best for me it's like 20 30 50 percent of the time i'm having fun yeah and the other time i'm just trying to figure out when the fuck can i get this thing done yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you so, know what I mean? Like, yeah, I absolutely like, like, know what you the mean. The other part, it's not all like, yes, I'm passionate about it at three in the morning yeah. or whatever. But like at the same time, like if it's maybe I'm, it's also three in the morning and I just want to go to fucking bed, but I can't yeah. because I got to get this page written. You need to get whatever. it done. Yeah. When and is it, the like, time to do it? It's not just fun. Yeah. Like it's a real yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so for example, I'm working on a draft of a novel right now. Yeah. Do that. Let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> get it out of the way. Um, I'm working on the draft of a novel right now. I have never, ever written a novel. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just sitting down and I'm writing. There are n- I, I, I was joking about this this week. I, can, I have never gotten as much work that is not on my novel done as when <laughs> I need to be working on my novel. Or when I should be working well, on it. Well, the hard thing about it is this. You don't really need to be doing it. Yeah. Because nobody... This is the other no thing one's making you do it. Yeah. People don't understand. They're like, oh, it must be nice. You don't have a boss. You're not doing it. It's like, well, that, it is nice in some respects. Yeah. But in other respects, it's like, now you have to be your own boss. Yeah. And you have to be an asshole boss. Yeah. Oh. Like, or you can't get anything done. If I were my employee, I would have fired me ages ago. What I like for to say not is... not getting enough work I done. I feel like the perspective that you have to have that, you know works and serves you well in the long run yeah. is not that you're your own boss but that like the project is your boss yeah. so it's like if I'm working on a novel well the novel is the boss and I have yeah. to get up and do it yeah. at 6 in the morning or I have to like stay up till 2 to do it or whatever the schedule is like yeah. I'll make a schedule and I have to do the schedule yeah. and the problem the thing people don't understand is like you're not necessarily making any you may make I, I, I did this when we were at going to the, when I was going to Gregory and Justin's studio yeah and doing some work there back in before the COVID times, as you put it. So I, one day I was, I was sitting there working. Before COVID. Yeah. So I was working on something. Uh, I, I was in there one day and I had this big like thing I was doing. Actually, it was this eye collector grant that just yep. came in recently. So I was working on it and working on it and working on it for like eight hours straight. Yeah. And this guy was in, uh, this guy Matt was in. He was sorting a bunch of posters and stuff for Gregory. Yeah. And he, Gregory was doing some work and he, this guy was doing a lot of stuff. And anyway, I remember like when I was done, like, you know, working, I was like, well, I'm done. And, uh, and Matt's and, 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 uh, I was saying, I said to them, you know, I either made $0 today or I made $12,000 today. Yeah. And I won't know for six months. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And, And it's like, who, who knows? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's such a weird mentality because. People who don't work in the creative arts and aren't under, are being paid by someone else or the boss in a deadline don't understand, like, yeah, it's really easy to, to be a writer when you love it and it's really easy to be a writer when you don't love it because you don't have to do it. But if something, if you want to get something done and you, or something needs to get done and you don't want to do it, it's still a job. It's still tough to do. And it's a hard job to just, even just managing, like, these different projects is tricky. I find like um, the more I get into it, I like I literally have like found I have to like read business books mm-hmm. and I have to like figure out like project like I have to learn like project management software <laughs> because it's like I just don't know. I just have too many things happening otherwise. Yeah. Like we're we're doing this working on this comic book 
Uh, so I'm working. So you're doing two comic book projects for me right now. One's very small. One's yep. larger. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, I'm working on this novel. Yeah. Plus, I've got this um, short story book coming out. So yep. I'm doing proofs on that. Yep. I'm doing draft work on this novel. It's not sold. Yeah. But the proofs on this book that's coming out in September. Yeah. I've got this uh, I collector comic that I'm working on with you and Gregory. Yep. Um, that's in like a negotiation uh, at the moment. It seems to be in a really good spot. It seems to be, but you know, you never mean? know. Yeah. Uh, I don't. The work doesn't stop I, it, just it because you're... I still have to... I have to proceed as if one thing is happening yeah. while I'm trying to get this other thing happening. Yep. And then, then like, I'm doing this other uh, comic with this uh, with our friend Stephen Call yep. um, that you're doing some lettering. I'm like doing some stuff for that. Now, that's just the stuff that I'm doing myself. Yeah. For like this Martian Embassy Media, yeah. which is me in a mug. Now, I have a separate company. <laughs> you in a hat, actually. <laughs> Well, two and Gregory yeah, <laughs> broke part of my mug. He won't admit that he shot it. He, he broke part of it, not all of it. Yeah. But um, he chipped my mug. Uh, chipped your mug. That's okay. like half the, that's a third of the company is that mug. <laughs> then, like, you know, I have this other, like, corporation, like a literal corporation that I, is all, like, all the plans fell apart. It's like there's $50 in a bank account that he is this corporation and nothing is happening <laughs> other than, like, here and there, I'm like doing some stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, I, there's no like, uh, it's it's very much a project that is like it's a weird, work in progress, a weird yeah. work in progress. Um, plus, I'm actually trying to like doing you know my freelance side of Your Martian Embassy Media. Job. Yeah, because yeah. you know my quote unquote Martian Embassy Media company. Yeah, is two co- is like there's a side that is like you know whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Developing projects yeah. like these comics and the things. The stuff that you're doing, your passion I'm projects. Doing, let's call it yeah. what I'm doing, even if people are working on it with me. Yeah. It's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I may or may not ever, you know, either I'm making money or not making money. You're either making no money know. or $12,000. When I'm dead yeah. 70 years after I die, we'll know how much money I made doing yeah. it. And um, then there's like the side of it that's like freelance work. You know, it's yeah. working for like, you know, clients and doing different things. Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe I'm editing a video game manual. Maybe I'm, like, writing tweets. Yep. It, it just gets very complicated. So, like, it's like at any given time, I'm doing 80 projects or something. Like, yep. literally, if you know, 80 different things. Yep. And people don't understand it, you know. Like, they don't get the, like, it's um, it's not it's not all, like, you wake up and you, like, have a... Have beer. a beer, and yeah. then you like no. start doing some writing. Eight hours later, you're done writing. It's yeah. like I'm, tr- you know, trying to find the time to write still, even though writing is my job. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so. I will give the like day job dream. It's it's due. It's very regular hours. You know, I went in at There's nine. There's a lot of good things about. I was done at five. The paycheck came every two weeks. When I left the office, I didn't really think about the office. Like there's, it wasn't all day, every day. All I'm thinking about now, I'm, I'm going out with my friends. I'm going out with my girlfriend. She'll be like, what are you thinking about? And I'll be like, yeah. oh, you know, this book I'm working on. It's the thing. It never that's, stops running in my head. That's a dangerous. <laughs> that's where I feel like, you know, it, it helps. I wish something I had done when I was younger, like closer to your age, um, is I wish I had kind of set more of a like regular life schedule. You seem to be doing a better job than I did. I don't know about that. I was well, just... Well, sometimes I think you are because I hear you're going to the gym and doing things. Other times, like, you're texting me at three in the morning. Yeah, so here's, here's where I'm at. <laughs> so I don't know. Here's where I'm at in the last month. Let me tell you. So I, I get up in the morning 
I go to the gym. So the first thing I do, I mean, I sleep until like nine because I stay up late. Cause I'm, that's what sleep I do now. Nine. I that, sleep until isn't nine. Isn't it hilarious that you say sleep in the night? I remember when I oh. used to sleep in until two. I, yeah, I was going to say when I was 17, 18, I, but I was now bartending I, then. Sleeping in until nine would be a dream now. Yeah. But, like, but anyway, so I get up. I, I sleep until nine. I go to the gym at 10. I'm home by 1130. I play some I play some Halo 2 and shower and I'm like ready to go by 12. But sometimes the work doesn't get done. Sometimes I don't, I can't hop into it right away. I procrastinate on a thousand things. Oh, I can, I can send off. Like if I, if my goal is I want to work on my novel, I will like, oh, I can send off a pitch instead. I can do this lettering stuff instead. It's Um, tricky because it's still work, right? It is still work, but it's not the work that I want to be doing. So I came into this realization and this happened to me a couple weeks ago where I was like doing nothing for four (laughs) hours. I was, it was like 4 p.m. and I looked at my clock and I'm like, shit, I didn't do anything today. So I started working and I, you know, worked on a pitch. I got some writing done. I looked up, it was 10.30. And I went, oh, right. I don't work a nine to five. And the, the motto that I'm at now is that business hours, and I say that with air quotes, are whenever the work gets done. Because the quest, you have to, like, yes, you need a routine to get the work done. Some people need a routine to get the work done. Um, I am not at a point where I have a hard routine where I have to, like, go pick up kids or I need to get obligations. My obligation is to get work done, period. If that work happens at 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 1 p.m., 10 a.m., it doesn't matter to me. As long as at the end of the day I have work done. Let me just give you a warning. It will matter to you. Because the problem is going to what's going to happen. But it doesn't right now because I'm a degenerate. But what happens is eventually, the problem is like eventually what happens is it does matter when you get the work done. And now you're in the habit of like it's always in your head or whatever. Like so like I I wish one thing that I had done when I was younger is set a more like – more of a like I wish I designed a routine yeah in, you know what I mean like yeah. in, in a bit more like right now I'm trying to do it but I have all these hard boundaries yeah I wish that what I had done when I was younger is designed more of a routine not a super rigid one but one with like some flex where I could like abandon it or and if I wanted to or if you know things are coming yeah. going well in this direction or whatever but I wish I had kind of just even le- even if it was more of a series of checklists or something yeah I wish I had just more of a um more of an eye on the things I w- like I should have been developing because yeah. like right now what I'm in I'm in this mode where it's like I'm struggling to do things what we were just talking before this podcast yeah. started I'm struggling to do things that I should have done 20 years ago like I should have written a, pe- a spec script yeah I should have written a it sounds weird but it's like I should have written like it's all just small I should have finished these 10 stuff. novels that I've yeah. got half finished you know what I mean yeah yeah I, mean, I should have been more aggressive about uh, sticking to a project and not jumping from project to project because yeah. my form of procrastination is to do something new is to do something new mm. so it's like which is fine to a degree but there's a certain point after which it doesn't serve you anymore you have to finish things that's what I started yeah nothing you do is worth anything unless it's finished it, unless it yeah I always say if it's 90% finished it's not it's finished not, then it's 0% finished yeah if it's not finished it's not it might as well be not finished at all yeah it might, not, might as well have not started yeah from so, the point of view of an outside observer yeah who is maybe gonna you know pay you money for it yeah. and whatnot. so like it's not all about like the business side of things yeah but I think like 
I, I wish I if I had more flex in my day I would have like a certain point part of my day set aside to just do whatever I wanted or just lay around and do nothing yeah and I'd have a certain part of my day where it's like okay I gotta do X I gotta do Y when it happens maybe it doesn't matter so much or whatever but like yeah. you know so here's well. here's my struggle that I've been having doing this um, you can you can probably attest to this when I'm lettering comics the work gets done fast there is no real long wait if you if someone's sending me pages and the work needs to get done that's fine you'll get those within like two days type thing um, I've been working on this novel draft and I say it's a draft because there is so much work that needs to be done on it still but I've been working on this draft for a year and that's because my peak writing creative time when I can get into the writing voice um, is from 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. generally. It's not a daytime thing. During the day, I can do a thousand other things. Um, But the writing, what I enjoy writing the most is late at night. And unfortunately, everyone else works on a schedule where that's when they want to do things. Now, let me tell you something that you're not going to want to hear. In psychology, what that's called is a dispositional dispositional explanation. Okay. You know, so what that means is that, and in psychology, people give dispositional explanations. So a dispositional explanation, as an example, is I'm not the kind of person who can work from 8 to 10. I have to work best from 10 to 12. So you're calling me lazy is No, 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 saying. I'm not saying that. <laughs> from the point, from psychology is, yeah. psychology says what people, people give dispositional explanations when they don't want to change. Okay. So yeah. you could be just as creative in different hours. If I was lazy. You don't lazy. want to be. Yeah. Well, no. It's I'm, not about laziness. But I'm in a life like... You don't, I, now, you don't need to be. No. I like uh, writing at night. It's what I like, enjoy the most. Uh, so I'm not saying you should change it necessarily. Yeah. What I'm saying is that if you but did you want to change, it. you could do it. Okay. Like, you're not like... It's, the writer's block is an example of a dispositional fallacy. Yeah. Because when people say they have writer's block, what they mean is they aren't writing. Well, all that's, by definition, not writing is not writing. Sure. Yeah. Well, how do you start writing? You just start writing. Yeah, like it's it's it, it, yeah. it, like it's not a real thing. Yeah, it's just what's called a dispositional fallacy. Yeah, no, no. Now, so like again, I'm not saying you should necessarily change. What I'm saying yeah. is like, don't slip into those patterns though. Yeah, thinking like, oh, it has to be this way. It has to yeah. be that way. I'm, I'm just, the kind of person who does this. I'm the kind of person. I who does purely that. meant it's to like, phrase it in a way that said like, <laughs> this is what I enjoy doing it the yeah, most. That's, this no, is that's why it's different. taking me so long. But you could do it differently. Like later on when you're busy and your girlfriend's like, you know, quit fucking working <laughs> from 8 to 2 in the morning. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, f- or I'll leave you or whatever. And, yeah. and then you're like, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, that's, I guess, is a good incentive. Then you could change it and it'll be fine. You'll just be a period of adjustment. Or the writing will be awful. For a while. <laughs> but that's fine too, for a while. Yeah. It won't, like, always be. It's just a matter of, like, how do you shift it over? Yeah. So maybe you don't need to shift it over, but I'm just saying yeah. like what I wish, I wish I'd realized things like that earlier mm-hmm. because what I got into was these patterns of like thinking, Oh, I have to do X. I have to do Y. Yeah. I have to do the other thing. Yeah. Well, and that is just going to bring us back around to what the central topic that we started on today is, you know, what do I have to do? What do we have to do? The answer is nothing. <laughs> um, well, 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 but let's put it, let me phrase, put the question to you yeah. differently. Because I think this is the question that people should be thinking about more. Yeah. If they're investigating, say, uh, trying to, let's say, have a creative career, whatever that looks like for them. Yeah. Maybe that means 
because you can have a, I, I, we should point out too that you can have a creative career and have a regular job totally like, yeah like some a lot people of people work it. for like a lot of TV writing jobs will work in that way yeah. where it's like you are an employee of a company yeah. but you're also doing you know this creative thing or yeah. even just writing for DC would kind of work that way sure. in, in many respects sure um so let's say you wanted you want say you're going to pers- forget about your law degree and pursue a path, a creative career. Let's okay. say you're yep. going to do that. Yeah. Let's say that's the where you're looking in ten years. You want to be you know full time. Thirty seven. All right. Yeah. You know, and you want to be making like a good living in a creative career. Let's say. Sure. What do you think you need to do now? To set that up, because that's the thing I now. wish I had thought. Yes, so that's what I wish I had thought more deeply about. Yeah, without because now that I'm forty, I'm I, I look back to like the thirty year old me. And I'm like, yeah. God damn it! Yeah, why weren't you thinking about yeah. this and this and this? Yeah, and that I mean that I think that really goes back to where I started with this whole rant that I went on was I'm at a point right now. You know, I'm 27. I'm not 40. I don't have kids. Um, I get to. I'm going to use the word again. I get to be a little bit of a degenerate. But what that means is that I have the opportunity to take risks. Um, I can go, I can send off pitches to companies that have no business looking at my pitches and you never know where your next opportunity is going to come from. Um, So the idea is you have to continue doing the work. You have to continue getting out there. You have to put yourself out there in as many ways as you can while you can Um, because as you said before you know it you're 40 you haven't done a lot of the work that you wish you would have and the only cost of that is that you know I'm done I'm no longer in school but I am still living like I'm a student that is the budget that I have to live on I make not a ton of money Um, I've started to make a little bit of money doing freelance I made enough money at my job last year that I can take a couple months off to do creative things if I get you know, really stuck and really can't stand the thought of pursuing, you know, the professional um, career that I got my degree in. I'll go back to working service jobs or in or restaurant jobs. I can pay the bills month to month. Um, it really comes down to can you give up the comfortable lifestyle for a few years in the hopes that you're investing in a future career? And my issue with that is, you know, when, as we said, when we started, you know, my parents, your parents, they said, you put the work in now, it'll pay the bills. Um, 30 years ago, someone could work a, a, a job out of college with their college degree and they could buy a house. I have two degrees and I am not anywhere near being able to buy a house. Uh, so at what point sure. does the... Um, at what point do you remove yourself from the, I'm not going to use the term rat race, but the idea, the career path that you were told you should want that statistically doesn't exist anymore? When yeah. do you stop doing the things that you were told you should do and want the things that you were told you should want to actually do the things you want to do and the things you want to do? That's where I'm at right now. I feel like it's a weird scenario that, you know, I mean, I found myself in a similar scenario just because the job market I entered into was kind of such, it it was similar to the job market now, although it wasn't the same job market, but it was that sort of scenario where, you know, um, 
people just didn't have the same um, job guarantees. Yeah. You know that they used to have. Yeah. So like, I mean, and, and like you're in an interesting position because you, you know you do have some valuable degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, you could fall back on, quote and, unquote. And I might. Yeah. Who knows? And, and there's nothing wrong with doing it. Yeah. If you know, but like, it is a scenario where you do you have a bit of a safety net. Yep. In a sense. Yep. No, Jonathan, like the, the fact of my life is that, you know, I went to school, I got an English degree and I got a law degree. I enjoyed one and one I was told that I would enjoy or I would enjoy the other end of it. Now, at the end of the day, I'm taking the time off so that I can pursue the things that I love. And if that fails, I still have the ability to go back and do the type of work that I'm not crazy about, but that I'm proficient in. So really, what risk am I taking if I'm taking six months off or a year off to go be poor and do things and enjoy waking up in the morning? And if it fails, that's fine. I go get a, I go get a grown-up job. I work in an office. I wear a suit. I maybe or maybe not enjoy what I'm doing. But in 20 years, I will not have any regret about trying to do something that I wanted to do. I will be able to look back and go, you know, I put in the work, I tried to put in the work, I tried to do the things that made me happy, and, you know, they are making me happy. Um, and if they didn't financially pay off, so be it. That's how it works. I think there's, it's a good attitude, but I also think it's an interesting thing to think. I, I've been talking, again, I was talking to my daughter about a lot of this stuff yeah. recently, because she's like, in kind of in one degree and then she's like maybe going to do this other degree she's trying to decide between them and stuff yeah and she was kind of saying something to me like well I kind of want to do this but I'm kind of worried what if yeah. it doesn't work out what yeah. if I think I should have done this she's talking about changing her major maybe yeah and I was saying well look uh, you know, what's the risk that you're actually taking yeah you know, if it all goes wrong if you change your major and you wish you hadn't changed your major yep if you get like degree Y and you wish you had degree X the actual worst case scenario is you have to go back to school for two years. Yep. And then yep. you have the other degree. Yep. Can I? Because you can start in year three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in my my side tangent rant about higher education is that if I had to go back and redo all my schooling, what would I do? What would you do? If you had to redo all that your schooling, what would you question. do? That is a great question. I have thought about that question a lot because yeah. my daughter's asking me the same question. Yeah. And she's kind of taking... It looks like she's going to end up getting the first degree that I got. Yeah. And I've been thinking really literally, like, yeah. would I go back and get that same degree? Yeah. Now, I think I would get that degree, yeah. like the advanced, the English, uh, four-year English degree. Okay. I don't know if I would have gone on to do the PhD precisely. Now, yeah. probably, I, I don't know. My degree path is a weird one because it's like, I probably would have gotten the three degrees I got. Yeah. Like the, so the BA, master's, and PhD. Yeah. But technically speaking, if you want to get really technical about it, yeah. all I use my PhD for. Yeah. Let's say you have a PhD. I tell people <laughs> I have to charge you more money. My name is Jonathan Ball, PhD. Yeah. <laughs> like all I do with a degree yeah. is I charge people more money. Yeah. So if you would do it for $20, I'll do it for $40 because I have a PhD. Yeah. Now it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. But I can and do. Yeah just charge twice as much as somebody else for the same work yeah so in one hand yes I use the degree all the time <laughs> yeah on the other hand I really don't use it for anything at all like it was an enriching experience and I I was grants I had a bunch of scholarships yeah so I you know 
was basically just writing full time yeah. during my PhD, which yeah. was great. Yeah. Or so for three or four years, basically, I was writing. Yeah. Um, so I would. So it, it was excellent. Like I wrote like ten books in that yeah. time. I published three of them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, and, and you know, was it? It, it wasn't necessarily worth it in the sense that I don't really need the degree for anything. Like yeah. everything I'm, the fact is if you publish books, it supersedes everything else. Yes. And that, so this is what I'm getting at. So, um, so quick side story, you know, I was in my last degree of my English undergrad BA and, um, I was doing very well cause I tanked my first year and then kicked my own ass in the next year and slowly built my GPA back up. But I was in an English course with a 3,000 level 3,000 level English course and my prof I'd handed in a paper I was like chatting with him in his office and he's like you know Lyndon you should like you should consider doing a master's like you have a you have a good sense of it um, you're you're intelligent blah 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 and I went professor with all due respect um, I don't want to be an academic I'm not an academic person I'm not into that sort of research what will a master's in English do for me that my BA won't do? And this is where I come around to the idea of universities and the current higher education system is to go back to what our parents were taught, were taught and, you know, taught us. Originally, a university degree was the high, the fast track highway to stable employment and a well-paying job. And that's really not what it is anymore. If I could go back and redo my education, I think I would actually go to a trade school instead. A trade school does what a university says they're going to do, which is teach you a specific set of skills for a specific profession to find you a job. Now, a university is a great resource for thinking and education and learning and becoming a better person and all these sort of higher level um, intellectual pursuits, but in terms of a practical, I want to find a job, which is what every 17-year-old student is told when they say, when they're asked, what do you want to do when you're done high school and you want to be a grown-up? A degree at trade school actually delivers on that. Now, I don't regret my degrees in university um, because I got to do a bunch of incredible things and meet some incredible profs and have a bunch of amazing opportunities, but if my end goal was to find a job and start a career, I should have gone to a trade school. See, I did, I realize now, the more I think about university in the last, you know, few months, yeah. is like, I treated university like a trade school. Yep. And that's where it went well for me, because I went into it thinking, I would just take classes to satisfy the degree, but then yep. I would just do whatever I wanted. So like, when my, you're, you're, so when I did a master's degree. Yep. Um, what I did was I went so George we both know George Tolls so yeah, I, I went to George, George Tolls he's incredible who was my master's advisor and after the first year I went to so normally you do a master's degree in two years but yeah. I did mine in three because I went to George Tolls after the first year and I said George I don't know if I want to do my PhD I'm thinking about it while I'm thinking about it I'm going to take a year off in the middle of, but I'm instead of taking it off after my MA I'm going yeah. to take it off in the middle of my MA yeah <laughs> so I go for year two I'm not going to do so I'm going to do a three-year degree instead of a two-year degree. Year two, I'm not going to do any work at all. Yeah. But I want you to just sign off saying I'm doing work so I don't have to pay my loans back. And that's exactly the type of thing that George Tolls would do. And I, yeah, I was like, I just go, I go, like, I, so, you know, take me on as your MA student. I go, year one, I'll get all my classwork done. Yeah. Year two, I won't do anything whatsoever. <laughs> I'll just go out and I'll do, like, basically I'll do trades, yeah. my own 
curriculum of trade school. I, I yeah. just I'll just write for different, yeah. you know, freelance write for a year and just run around and do random shit. Yeah. And then third year, I'll do my thing for you. My thesis, I gave George one draft of my thesis. <laughs> the fi- the yeah. second to last draft, yeah. I handed to him like maybe a month or two before we were going to defend it. It was the first time he saw anything I'd written. Yeah. And then he gave me comments, and then I made the changes, yeah. and then I passed the thesis. Like, it was bizarre. But, you know, George and me knew me well enough. Yeah. He knew it would work out fine. And let's but I treated it like a trade school. Exactly. Yeah. Like, they weren't giving me the thing I wanted, so I just kind of, like, I found a way to do what I yeah. – to build the skills and the yeah. – uh, that I needed. And I would just kind of, like, use the – so if they gave me an assignment yeah, to use do the X, framework of the – Yeah. So let me just – just to pause here, because I don't want – this to sound as though we're disparaging George no, Tolls. George Tolls is an incredible prof in the program, and what I loved about having him as a prof is that he encourages students to find themselves, for lack of a better phrase, to do that. Yeah. He's really about supporting the students on their journey. So, and that's why I said it doesn't surprise me that he would let you do that. Not because yeah, he's well, and he also he was just he he just he's a guy who can actually write. Yeah, he understood like he would actually give me real writing feedback. Yeah, but it was also like extremely encouraging. I yeah, say yes, but no. So, and that's the the frustration that I have with post-secondary education is in the university sphere and I'm only lucky that my second degree, the one that I'm not crazy about my law degree, it's very much like a trade school also. It's like a trade school within a university setting. But when I look at redoing school, like the thing, and Greg Gregory Kamichuk and I had the same question, or it's the same conversation last year where we said he said to me, he goes, you know what the, you know what the difference between um, law, working in law and working in comics is working in comics is based on merit <laughs> which like is fair because it's what is the last thing you've done you have to be yeah. doing good work that's how you find more work the one thing that university I think is still very 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 I think it's, it's valuable in two ways one is if you ha- go in it with the right attitude yep. and you're going to bend it to your will Yep. <laughs> but two is it credentials you but it is a reality now that writing a, like the writing writing a book credentials you like nothing else. I was once talking to a person who got had a, a master's degree and they were working at Starbucks. Yeah. And they're or, or they had or sorry they didn't have a master's degree they had a bachelor of communications. Yeah. And they were complaining to me about how they had this useless degree and they only could get a job at Starbucks. And I said to them, Do you know what degree the CEO of Starbucks has? The same degree. It's effectively yeah. it's the American version of the same degree. Yeah. Because it's it, the degree does isn't a path to anything. Yeah. It's just it gives you, you do again. It. It's that skill and yeah. what are you doing with it? Yeah. So I mean, I, I always I love Goodwill Hunting the movie. And have you seen Goodwill Hunting? So I do. The, the I'm not quote, as big into it, but yeah. There's the quote in the bar. I do like that part where he's uh, showing up. Where uh, Matt Damon's showing up the. Harvard student and he goes you know yeah I'm just going to paraphrase it like yeah you could have this fancy degree or you could have two dollars in late library book fees and have learned the same thing like it really comes down (laughs) to what you're going to do with the information that you're given but that's not the message that people are sent 
when we're told go to university, you'll no, find a job. They talk about it like it's a trade school. Yeah. It's like I think it's really, really a valuable place where you can learn like some valuable Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. But you have to go into it with the attitude of like You're gonna I'm going to thing. do my own thing. Yeah. What I always tell students when they and people when they talk about universities like you gotta remember when you leave the university, yeah. you have the same everybody has the same degree and all that matters is what else did you do? Correct. While you were in university. Yeah. Like that's the only reason I've had any success in any field ever yep. is because I would go into the program, I would do the bare minimum to get by, yep. and then I would just spend 90% of my time doing other things. Yep. But I would keep doing them. Yep. Now, when I was, what I wish I had done and what I had the foresight to do and what I'm struggling with now is I wasn't doing things in an organized way. Okay. <laughs> so like I was doing the kind of thing you're doing where I'm like, I was writing much stuff, sending much stuff out. Now, where you may or may not be doing this other part. What I wasn't doing, which I wish I had done, is I wish I had had like, so if I had put together a pitch and then sent it somewhere, let's say, I wish I had put it in a spreadsheet and a file. Okay. (laughs) So that later in life, when I'm 40 years old, I would know what I had even done. Okay. Like I have, I went to go get my will done year, yep. uh, years ago, and I went to talk to an IP lawyer. Yeah, because I have to, you know, get your will you, done. Get my will done. All right. Because, but I wanted to know, like, how do I will yeah. my I'm intellectual property? Ah, okay. And he's like, well, you know, we just put this wording in and this wording, and it wasn't too complicated. Yeah. But he goes, he's like, well, where? At one point, he asked me, he's like, well, where is your list of intellectual property? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you know, you have your whole business, your whole life is built on IP. The fact that you own IP. Yeah. He's like, where is your list of it? And you're probably realizing what I realized is like, what the fuck? Of course, I <laughs> yeah. should have a list of it's my so stupid. Property. It's so simple. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs> My entire life has been building this list of intellectual property. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't feel like that. Like it just feels it like you're, feel like you're jumping from project to project, and who knows what's going where? And I'll just throw this away. It's not my worth business, anything anymore. I mean, it has changed. But when I was younger, my business plan was: I just believed if I just keep doing shit, yeah, everything will work out, and it kind of did. Except that then I hit a point where I was too busy. Okay. And now I'm at the point where it's like, if I only had a list of my fucking intellectual property, yeah. I could hand it to you and I could hire, or not you, but like... You could bequeath it to me. Well, well, literally, I'm thinking like, I could give my daughter like this list, like I could literally like hire my daughter yeah. to send these fucking things out. Yeah. And I would make more money. Yeah. Then I would have to pay her. Yep. But I can't. Because I didn't set up... The system. Like, I wish what I had done when I was also, I wish I had had a setup where I was thinking about the business side of it, even just a little bit or yeah. 10%, 20% yeah. of the yeah. time. I wish I had just sunk the time into building what I have to do now, which is build all these systems. So now I have to figure out like, okay, well, how do I even put an inventory spreadsheet together where I can figure out what I even have? Because I, if like this computer that we're recording on here, yeah. in this computer, Lyndon, there are like I'm, there are thousands of things that Dropbox, I have written. Man. No, but what I mean is like, how do you archive it all? How do I've you gotta, record it's it gotta all? It's got to be recorded. It's got to be in a list. There's got to be a system to publish it. I've got, I've got no joke, hundreds of things I could publish tomorrow, but have never published because as soon as I did them, I forgot I did them, and they're good. That's the the pain of it is. Yeah. Most of them are good. 
Okay. Like I've written 10,000 poems. At least 1,000 of them are good and publishable. Probably 5,000 mm. are good and publishable. I published about 1,000. But like, there's another like 6,000 that have never, I've never done anything with, yeah. but are perfectly good. All right, so here's my question, and I, I, I say it so that I can set it up for the second question. Jonathan Ball, why are you not doing anything with those poems Because right I'm too now? busy. Exactly. So, this is the thing. If I, this is the thing. I'm too busy. Yeah. So like, so like somebody comes to me and says, hey, we need you to write these social media tweets. We'll yeah. pay, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, fine, I'll do that. But yeah. it has to be done in, like now. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so I'll do that instead. Yeah. So there's no impetus for me to go uh, back. Like this is like if I had, if at your age when yep. I was younger. Yep. I had created a system, yep. and whenever I wrote something, I'd put it in the system, and then there was a submission system attached to that. Like, if it's all systematized, because yep. what's going to happen to you uh, is, if you maybe, maybe you've already thought of this stuff, but what happened to me was this. Uh, at a certain point, I outpaced, my creativity started outpacing my systems. Yeah. And it got this, and what ended up resulting was I was, I was just, I, all I, I got so busy, all I could deal with was the things that had to be done right for now. the projects that were front of mind. And everything yeah. that's not front of mind, I'm just not thinking about it anymore. Yeah. So it's like, I'm working on the eye collector, but I'm not thinking about, you know, uh, She-Wolf. Yeah, I was wondering what was going on with She-Wolf. I, well, let me tell you what's going on with She-Wolf. I wrote a whole novel draft, and it's sitting in this computer. Yeah. I don't even know where it is. So this is, and again, we're going to bring this right back to what we started with. This is the <laughs> difference between where you and I are right now. So I, you have a thousand things in the backlog. If I never had another idea again, I could just revise my ideas until I die. You just do that. Who needs more stuff? The problem is I keep having more ideas. Have no more ideas. But I have throw no them time. out. But even Who needs so, them? even so, I don't. I literally don't have time to take the published, yep. finished things yep. off my computer and publish them. Yeah. So I have to hire somebody to do it. Oh, if only there was someone at this table who wasn't working right now. But you know, well, I've got somebody else doing it right now. But I, but what I'm saying is yep. like, like. I don't even have a system in place yep. to do that. Yeah. So this is what, this is what I'm <laughs> getting at. This is, like, this is what I'm getting mean, at. Like, I just wish I had the foresight to realize that in the future, my problem is not going to be, I need somebody to pay me money. Yeah. In the future, my problem is going to be like, I don't even want another person paying me money. Yeah. I want to fucking do your own resell thing. Make your own money. Something that yeah. I already did. Yeah. So that's where you, you and I are different. Cause you're saying you have a thousand things and that you wish you had carried forward when you were younger when you made that bad problem yeah no i I get that (laughs) but what i'm saying is that if we if i were to open my laptop right now i have five books you know a novel draft and a bunch of stuff that i've worked on freelance that i don't own the rights to anymore that's it those are what those are the chips that i've got to play with those are what i'm sending out and I'm, I'm I'm pitching those. I'm working on the things that I still need like to be worked on. I feel like you're doing things in a much set, more sensible and organized fashion than I did. I could be wrong about that. I have, we'll who knows? See. I don't know what <laughs> it was knows? like. You're I don't right. know what it was like in the '90s. You're what right. are you doing? <laughs> well, there, it, there's so yeah. That's a good question though. <laughs> but like, it is like a. I just I. I I don't know what your where your headspace is, but like when I look back and like I think like what am I missing now that I wish I had? Mm-hmm. It's not like oh I wish I had. Um, you know, I just 
I, there's well, I just want to go back to your actually your earlier point. Yeah. Which is the idea like people, you know, people are telling us these things. Yeah. Parents were telling us this. The culture was telling yeah, us that's, this. That's that's what's drive what drives us. So I mean, I get why my parents said these things now. Yes. Now, at the time, I didn't. Yeah. It was a big thing of conflict. Now it's like okay, I I get like why they don't get it. Uh, yeah. Because it's not their job. Why yep. would they get it? No. So, that's like, not, and that's my, not how things are now is, or not how they were know, then. My wife doesn't understand X. Why would she? She's yeah. a physiotherapist. She's not a writer. So yeah. why would she get it? Yeah. You know, like, so, like, I don't get mad about that stuff the way I used to. Be kind of, like, have conflicts with, you know, my family or whatever around things. Yeah. But what I, like, I let that kind of stuff, it doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Where and I wish I had kind of gotten that attitude earlier. Yeah. Like, why would somebody get it? Because like, I wish I had depersonalized it a bit earlier. Yeah. I guess. Um, I wish I had like taken because I, I feel like when you're young, maybe you don't have you don't seem to have this problem the way that I uh, have seen people have it. But you can correct me if I'm wrong. But what I but I find like when you're when you're young, what you do is you start to take rejection and like people's opinions on your art very personally but when you get older you, you just don't take it personally anymore because it doesn't when you're young and you've done like if you've done like the way I explained it once to somebody was if you've written 10 poems somebody rejecting one of those poems is very like big for you because you know you've written only these 10 poems like that poem isn't just a poem it represents mm-hmm. symbolically your writing mm-hmm. and so when they're rejecting you they aren't just rejecting this poem they're rejecting your writing mm-hmm. but when you've written 10,000 poems it's just a fucking poem yeah and if you, they don't like it you go write another one yeah if it's no good you'll do another one yeah there's 9,900 other ones yeah so it doesn't represent something the same way it's not that you don't care about it yeah it's not that it doesn't matter to you but it just doesn't symbolically sum up your writing yeah. in the same way. Yeah. And so there's a bit of a depersonalization that I wish I had gotten to a little earlier. And I think it would have helped me not be so wrapped up in yeah. myself. Yeah. But just to go, but what I, what, but my point actually is that um, I think that people just, I regret how uh, I listen to people. <laughs> in a weird sort of way. Like, I wish I'd listened to more people. Yeah. But I also wish I'd listened less fully to people that just didn't understand what I was talking about. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. So I didn't, I kind of put too much credence to what other people were saying, if that made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so I've got two different trains of thought here. I'm going to answer your first question about how. That's probably the better one. How I personally deal with rejection and what other people say to me um i'll use an anecdotal story so i this this fantasy and i say fantasy in the sense that it hasn't been done yet this novel draft that i've been hypothetically talking about since we started um i wrote a draft you have a novel draft i have a novel i, I mean discounted. i have a draft it's like 50, <laughs> it's like fifty thousand words besides the point i i finished the draft and i sent it off to Adam Petrish, who we both know. And he read it for me. And when I sent it off to him, my, what I said to him in the email was, Hey, I finished this novel draft. If you'd take a look at it, I'd really appreciate it. The only question that I really want answered is, um, is there 
this, is there enough here to continue on with this project? And that's because, and that question comes from my own, I'm not necessarily going to call it an insecurity as a writer, but as someone who is still very new at writing, or I consider myself very new at writing, um, I don't think of myself as a good writer. And so when someone tells, when someone rejects me, that doesn't hurt me. That just kind of reinforces that I have the work to do still. Sure. Um, because I started this going, this, like writing, drawing, art, any sort of artistic ability, yes, there is an innate talent that can go along with it. But at the end of the day, anyone can be a good artist if you want to put the time into it. That's how you get good. Like you can start better than other people, but you're not going to become great until you put the hours in. And so I came to this, this industry going, you know, I don't feel like I've done enough. I don't feel like I've put in the time to, to be anything. I'm just going to start working and I'll keep working at it and hopefully it gets better and maybe it doesn't get better and that's when I'll go back to being a lawyer. But if it gets better, great. But I'm not there yet. Um, I'm still so new at this that um, being told that there's a lot more work that needs to get done doesn't hurt me. So when Adam read that novel and he came back to me and he said, you know, there's, there's sort of a story here, um, but there's a lot of work that's going to need to go into this. I went, great, that's the best news I could possibly get because I knew that there was a lot of work to go here because I'm, I'm not a good writer still, but there, I, there's enough here that I'm not totally out in the woods without a way back. So when we deal with people, I'm going to try and bring this home again, when we deal with people giving us feedback, like there's certain amounts, you have to kind of know what you're looking for in an answer, what you're prepared to hear. One of my favorite sayings is that I don't ask a question that I don't think I can handle the answer to. So if I'm going to ask someone to read something, especially like if I send something to, to Adam or I send something to you, um, I'm sending it to you with the expectation that it's going to get shredded. And that's just because that's my that's what, I, fine, what I do. But be, I, I don't that, even mean to do it. But but in <laughs> the, in that happening, um, I become a better writer. And I'm not going to like you and I have had conversations where you'll send someone feedback and they'll push back on you for it. Um, I can't imagine doing that because I'm soliciting advice from someone who I consider to be a better writer than I am, and it would be stupid of me to seek feedback from someone more experienced than I am and then reject it. That doesn't make sense to me. It's so funny when I hear people say things like you're saying, because when I was young, when I was your age or younger, what I used to do, so I would be, I remember distinctly I was at a party once and somebody, a friend of mine introduced me to another person. They're like, oh, this is John. He's an aspiring writer. And I said, I'm not an aspiring writer. I said, I'm a writer. Yeah. (laughs) And they were... I, 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 and I believe I said I aspire to nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was my little joke but like but the attitude was I, I always had the attitude that you know I'm it. good at this yeah and I can do it yeah but which is a bad attitude often 
but where I where I saved myself <laughs> was I also at the same time had the attitude that you're talking about with like you just um, put the work in I could get better yeah I, maybe I thought I was very good like I always thought I was very good yeah because I put the work in yeah. I never thought I had a lot of talent necessarily yeah I thought from an early age I thought I want to do this I'm just going to keep doing it yeah until I'm the best at it yeah and when I become the best at it then I'll just keep doing it anyway yeah <laughs> and like I'm not saying I'm the best at it yeah like I, I'm a very adept writer in the sense that it's almost bad actually because I can I don't have a style yeah I've kind of chameleoned yeah I can get chameleon styles. styles yeah yeah so like it, it, it is a skill I've honed to the point where um, unfortunately <laughs> Uh, I think I can become invisible mm. in a certain way and, and like you don't necessarily know who I am in, in a sense because yeah. I, I just change book to book I'm just totally different yeah so um, but my attitude is always like the the healthy side of my attitude is always this is just a craft it's not an art it's a yeah. craft yeah literature is an art but writing is a craft that produces the art yeah so I always thought I've got to look at it like a tradesperson. I've got to think of yeah. myself like a plumber. Yeah. I, I shouldn't get a, I can get a big hit about how great a writer I think I am. As long as I don't get a hit thinking, oh, it's talent in me. Yeah. It's just something I worked at and yeah. got good at. Yeah. As opposed to a thing I was born with or some fucking magic yeah. stick I got. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like um, the only, what saved me is sort of, from yeah. like my ego going working. crazy yeah. as I just divorced myself from it it's like oh that's good writing yeah. it doesn't mean I'm a good writer exactly yeah. I just can make good writing that's good writing that's not good writing yeah. this is not good writing this is good writing like I got very analytical about it yeah. that's where the university I think really helped me personally yeah. I got like that analytical training and I could tell you what I think is better writing and why Yeah, and you could agree or disagree right? yeah so like when somebody sends me a thing, like if you send me something and my instinct is always like, okay, well, here's like my feedback. My, in your, my your view is like, was, hey, here's I, a typo. Have, I have no investment in whether you take any of the feedback. Yeah. Or like to me, it's like, well, if he doesn't like it, he'll just ignore it. It's yeah. either useful or it's not useful. That's yeah. for you to decide. Yeah. Whereas like, I think some other people will, they get like very egoy yeah. like I don't often realize like with other people sometimes like that I'm like hurting their feelings or something you know yeah but to go back to the writing thing like and just to talk about more societal perception the idea of a writer as the the general conscious thinks of it is someone who is talented not someone who necessarily a puts a craft into it and but it's that sort of um, societal perception that makes me almost uncomfortable to identify as a writer. Like my girlfriend who's yeah, extremely supportive exactly of my creative things um, knows I'm not crazy about the law, but she introduces me as a writer and it makes me really uncomfortable because I don't like talking about it because I don't feel like I'm good at it still. I'm just, it's just something that I do. Um, so we have to really divorce ourselves from the idea that it's innate when it's something that anyone can do. And I think that's, why I would take rejection so well now is I have this um, character defect where I think, you know, <laughs> if I can do it, anyone can do it. So I was like, I went to law school. I got in on like my B slash B plus average. I showed up. 
I was a below average student who routinely got, you know, not great grades. So now I come out and I'm doing other things and I'm told that I need to get better at them. And that's fine. That's just another path on the road. And I'm 27 and get to be a degenerate about it. So I'm right on track with where I'm supposed to be. I was texting with my daughter just as a, uh, after I pulled up here when I was just sitting there waiting for you and um, about this book I'm proofing. Yeah. And they're just asking her like opinion on something and stuff. And she was, I was saying to her, um, she's, because she, it's this weird complicated thing I'm trying to sort out. It's yeah. like this weird meta thing. Yeah. And so finally like me and her like kind of sorted out what the situation even is in this novel yeah. <laughs> book I've written. It's, it's funny because I'm like really reading my own book trying to figure out like, okay, what's the actual plot situation here? Because yeah. it's so convoluted. Yeah. Um, so finally sort out and, and um, she was saying something like, oh, you know, it's actually kind of neat. And I was like, I was like, I was like, that's how I think about it. I'm like, when I get reviews, people will say like, oh, he's showing off. He's being complicated. And it's like, I just think I'm trying to do something cool yeah. and different. Yeah. And it's like, it, and I'm, like, I'm just trying to make it work. Yeah. Like it's, but it does feel pretentious, doesn't it? Like yeah. To talk, like, I don't like the late, like, I like to call myself a writer because to me, write is a verb. What? I like it. writing. It's like a job. Yeah. Like digging a ditch. Yeah. But I think, like, the cultural baggage of it is, like, oh, someone introduces you as a writer. It sounds it's very pretentious. Snooty. Yeah. It sounds snooty and pretentious. I don't think it is. Like, to me, like, I put writing on, like, the level of, I always like to compare it to carpentry because my yeah. grandfather was a carpenter. Yeah. And I feel like it's very, very similar to carpentry in many respects. And it's just, it's like very much that craft skill. Yeah. But I, it just doesn't have that cultural weight. So it's like, I don't know. I prefer it to artist. Yeah. But, um, or creative, which is the new it's thing. It's even higher, yeah. But like, yes, it's artistic and creative and everything. But I feel like it's just, it's a verb. It's a craft thing. Yeah. If you're a writer, you're writing. Yeah. When you say like, oh, I don't. Like, I bristle sometimes if people say things like what you just said, which is, oh, you know, I don't feel good enough to call myself a writer. It's like, no, whether you're good or not good. It's what uh, you're doing. Yeah. If you're writing, you're a writer. Yeah. Well, if I mean, you're not writing, you're not writer. a writer. I would never call myself an aspiring writer. That term has that been washed that, out of yeah. my mouth by <laughs> yourself and Gregory and everyone else in my, you know, yeah. my social circle. I would never use that title anymore. Um, but it feels as though, and I've, I've said this for a long time, that you, you don't make it until you've made it like you're I'm not there's anyone no, there's no making it though right it's I like know. when people talk about breaking in there's no breaking in it's like every time you're trying to break in yeah yeah but yeah like let's say you get hired writing Batman yeah and you're new the new guy you're the new Scott Snyder writing Batman huh. and then you're like okay I'm done my Batman run yeah what am I going to do next next I'm going to I want to write Superman well, now you have to break in to writing Superman. Yeah, I mean, you got to convince them. I'm the guy to take Superman. They're yeah. gonna be like, "Well, what? What Superman's doing?" Oh, Batman. you do Batman. You're the Batman guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no making it. There's yeah. no breaking in. It's just every time you're trying to, people don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So I think what we're what we're getting at here, the overarching theme of our conversation is that there are no real plans. There's no real path. It doesn't matter. You just need well, to keep going just, and doing My and, one piece of advice to yeah. you is I wish when I was your age, I had at least had a tentative plan. <laughs> oh, I mean, but now, like... I did okay with the plan. Yeah. Let's just do a bunch of shit and it will all... As long as I keep doing shit. My plan was momentum. Yep. If I just keep doing things. Yep. Um, like, so very quickly, I had a thousand credits on my resume. Yep. 
which, you know, fine. Yeah. But I wish I had, like, thought about what credits they would be. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and to give, not to, to disparage my loving parents too much in this conversation, like, to their credit, my, my mother instilled on me very early that you don't need to know necessarily where you're going to end up but you need to have a plan that you're following. Yes. And if you need to pivot, you can pivot. And really what we're talking about is an object at rest stays at rest. So the idea is you need to be doing something. Find yeah. something, change it. Yeah. If you change it, that's fine. But that you need to go. That's a great point. Because you can't, because pivoting is so much easier than starting from From nothing. fresh. Yeah. Just like when you wake up in the morning, it's hard to just sit down and start. Yes. But once you started, you, go. you can just move around, you can do a yep. bunch of things. But getting to the desk is, you know, the hardest part in many yeah. ways. That's Let's why it. I was advising you the other day, just start retyping things. I did start, and it really helps. I mean, it does. You've, you've it seen some ridiculous. of it. No, it, it really helps. Um, the worst, the hardest, I've found the hardest part of writing is to start writing. That's it. Once you're going, you're going. People romanticize it. Like, that's why it's the hardest part. And that's yeah. why the writer's block is a thing people talk about. Yeah. Is because there's all... My, my, if I had one bugbear and one thing I could, like, take the Infinity Gauntlet and snap my fingers and it goes out of existence... Yeah. <laughs> it would be romantic ideas about creating art. Yeah. Because people have all these romantic assumptions. It's like, yeah, it's great sometimes. And yeah. I love it and everything. Yeah. But it's like, it's not a fucking fairy dust roller coaster. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just, there's no, it's just a job, it's, but you just don't have a boss. And yeah. Nobody can fire you. Now, that being said. And you might not make any money. <laughs> some, sometimes it's easier than others. Let's sometimes not get it's it wrong. the greatest sometimes thing ever. Sometimes it just goes. Like, I'm reading this book that I'm proofing, right? Yeah. I have a short story in this book that every time I read this short story, I like tear up because it's such a beautiful ending to the short story, in and, my opinion. And see, I I can't stand. And like, I laugh at my own jokes and all that stuff. But when this book is proofed, Lennon, tonight I'm going to finish proofing this book. Yeah. I will never look at it or think of it again. Yeah. Okay. But now it's like, so you were saying that, and I'm just going to go back to my own, you know, imposter syndrome, feeling like a failure all the time thing is, um, you were saying, you know, sometimes when I hear people speak the way that I speak, you cringe. Um, when I hear other people praise their own writing, I cringe oh, I because I can't do it. I can't praise my own writing. I like I'll write something. I'll be like, oh yeah, that kind. Of, I guess that works with what I'm doing, and I'll move on, and that's well, it. When I say something like that, it sounds like a dick thing. I think to some people, but the thing, but but they don't get it, is like I did 50 drafts of. Oh that. no, absolutely, I totally and it get was that. Shit until draft 50. Yeah. Did you? I did you know that Hemingway? Rewrote the last page of *A Farewell to Arms* over eighty times yeah. to get it the right to get it I'm right. I'm sure. He, I mean, I uh, I don't know if he was really counting, but I'm I imagine it's something like that. Yeah. it's a great page. Yeah, and like that's the thing that people don't get is like, but like to me, it's like you have to keep doing it. Like now, I have an editing system. I do five drafts of things, and, yeah. it's, and it is I get the same result. Yeah, <laughs> but like you figured it out. But like this is a short story book. It's, it's yeah. like written over basically 20 years is all hodgepodge and stuff yeah. and I got you know finalized and all those things yeah. but like um, it, it just is a, what people don't get from the outside is that it just is a yes there's like an aspect of it that is you know 
all like passion and magic and yep. everything. But that's like it's five percent. That's only it. part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And like it's a great five percent that makes it worthwhile. Yep. But it's still like ninety five percent is you're doing your fucking taxes. Yes. You, yeah. Whatever at a certain point, you just need to get the work done. Yeah, and, and the work can be great or it cannot be great. It, yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, like I said, when I did dealt with this this novel draft, the first draft I was told needs a lot of work. And maybe at the end of it, it'll be good. Or maybe at the end of it, I'll make zero dollars. The Jonathan you Ball method. No, until, until it's you're dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty close. And 70 years, 75 years I'm have passed. Flattered that you think that what's 27 no, that's the plus law. 75. Oh, the copyright. Oh, okay. All right. That's, that's what I mean. I thought you were telling me when I was I'm not dying you. in 75 years and I'm 27 <laughs> being like, I don't think I'm no, making like, it to 102. When you, no, that's the law. Yeah. It, no, it is the law. You won't know how much money you made yeah. until 75 years after your death. And it goes into the public domain. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it's very, but you, but you have to prioritize it, but you can't prioritize it too much. Like that's the kind yeah. of weird, yeah. you know math of it yeah really I wish I'd known how much creative career was doing math in my taxes where I wish I'd listened to my parents more because I wish I'd listened to my dad more about like you should learn this fucking accounting software yeah <laughs> but what I'm I do guess your taxes the, do your accounts the main thing that I've been I've been trying to drive at in this conversation though is that there's a there comes a certain point in your life and maybe it's when you're 27 maybe it's when you're 40 Maybe it's when you're 20 where you have to take the time and actually chase or pursue the thing that you think you want to do because if you're not doing the thing that makes you happy, what's the point of doing anything? You're just, you're just, you're just doing work to pay the bills. I don't get it. Yeah, see, I never really did work to pay the bills because I was stubborn. Yeah. So, like, I always was, like... I'm talking a general, conceptual sense. What I'm saying sense. is, like, I agree with that completely. Uh, I just wish when I was... When I was insisting on that, <laughs> I wish I had thought more about, well, how will I make this sustainable? Yeah. Where I'm not burning myself out. Yeah. And I'm not going broke. Yeah. Because I would just go, like, there'd be periods where I'd be burned out. There'd be yeah. periods where I'd be broke. Yeah. Then other times I'd be, you know, not burned out and making money. Like, I wish, now it's, you know, more of an even keel. But I wish, like, I had had um, the foresight to really just think through. I don't want to just be doing this as a career in fits and starts. Yeah. I want to be doing it. Long term sustainable. sustainable. Yeah. And I should think more about the sustainable what can I do now to like make it more sustainable on the long term. Yeah. So I think you're making all of the right moves. From my outsider point of view, you seem to be making the right moves. Well I think when it comes down to it, and we're gonna talk about writing the wrong way. Yeah. Um, is that there's a thousand different ways to chase down the creative life and some ways are going to be easier to you than other ways and some ways you're going to be backtracking trying to clean up the ways you did wrong the first time um, but the only real wrong way to do it is to not do it at all if it's what makes you happy because the idea is the work can get done if you want to do the work and there's always a way to fix it um, it just may be more work than you were expecting it to be yeah I think that's a great point I, I, I would even the only Modification I would suggest if I... Because you're an editor. For myself, yeah. not for you, but for <laughs> myself. I don't care so much about 
being happy in the mix. I think it's important work that I should be doing. Okay. So yeah, it makes me happy well, I think a certain percentage of the time. Those are equivalent motivations. I think you're I think it's just people will use different words. Correct. But I think yeah. if people feel I think sometimes when people the only reason I like I don't mean to push back on the happy no. word, but I think that when people are considering it for themselves, they yeah. often think it's a selfish thing. Because if it makes them happy, there's a selfish aspect to it. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think it can make you happy or not make you happy is irrelevant. Whether I think like I would love if it makes you happy, but to me that's irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's it's good work that somebody needs to do. Yeah. And like well, you talked if, to, you talked about sustainability. Do you want to know what the most unsustainable work for me is? Work that makes me miserable. Yeah. I think that's a thing people don't think enough about. So that's where, like, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm pushing back on you yeah, because I do not, agree I with what it. you're saying. I think sometimes I, I've, I've seen people get hung up on the word happy. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's uh, you know if 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 you're happy doing it, and you know you can then deal with the problems that it introduces into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's worth it. It's just worth it to do. I talk to so many people who are like, when I retire, I'll do X. When I retire, I'll do Y. And I ask them, like, but well, what does that mean? Yeah. When you retire, how many... They, they say, oh, I'll write my novel when I'm retired. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean, though? How many hours a day will you spend on it when you retire? Like, yeah. Think about it. Let's yeah. say you retire tomorrow. Yeah. How many hours did you actually spend? It's like two hours. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Which is, just do it now. Can I tell... If it's only two hours out of your day. Yeah. You don't need to fucking wait till you retire. Can I tell one more George Toll story? Oh, I love... Let's end with a George Toll story. I'm going to end it with a George Toll story. So... Um, I love George Tolls. George, if you're listening, which you're probably too busy to listen, I don't know if George, you know what the podcast is. I, uh, I came George home... George is the best. I came home after my first year of law school and visited George Tolls at the University of Manitoba in his office with his door with a thousand photos on it. And... Um, just to catch up because he was one of the profs that I connected to the most in my undergraduate degree. And one of the first things he said to me when I sat down was, you know, Lyndon, a friend of mine, um, recently, uh, quit his job as a lawyer to become, I think it was an artist and he just had his first gallery opening and that's what he's decided he's going to do with his career. And he leaned back in his chair and he looked at me and he goes, what do you think of that? <laughs> I stared at him because what do you say to someone who knows you better than you know yourself? Because I didn't know then that I was going to be checked out of comic or checked out of the, of the law career within the next eight months, frustrated with the way this, that system works and digging for something creative. Who, who, what do you say in that response? I don't know. That is, the ultimate George Tolls in my life moment. Amazing. Well, let's end with that. And uh, thanks for talking to me. And uh, keep writing the wrong way, Lyndon. Keep writing the wrong way, everyone. Yeah,